All right, text line, let's get involved. 405-651-3439. There are three answers to the first question that I'm going to give out today. Text line, you're going to answer it. Parker is going to immediately answer it. OU has four current commits in this recruiting class, ranked number 17 currently. Yes, I know there's a long way to go, but it's been a while, Parker, since OU has gotten a commitment in football. Are you A, not worried, B, mildly concerned, or C, absolutely friggin' out right now? Out of those three uh, choices. A, not worried. Not worried whatsoever. Not worried. Okay. Well, what, why, why A? Not even, not even mildly concerned. Why are you not concerned at all? Well, you know, I feel like it's a discussion that we've had several times on the show. It's just a, a, a spring surge in commitments at Oklahoma is just incommensurate and incongruous wow. with Oklahoma's new recruiting those? philosophy. It's just, it's, it's not to be expected. It's not something that anyone should expect. You shouldn't expect the Sooners to have. 12 to 14 commits at this point in time. What you should expect is that the spring game and the Champion Barbecue in the beginning of June are going to start to solidly build momentum for the Sooners with a lot of these elite prospects in the class of 2023. And then as you get on into the later summer months and the early fall months, that's when you're going to start to see the ball roll downhill. Text line is uh, already rolling in. Someone from the 580 says, A, not worried at all. They agree with you. Someone from the 918 says, mildly concerned. Someone else from the 918 says, C for Cole Adams. So uh, That's got to be Kendall. <laughs> yeah, so we have an A, B, and C uh, already on the board. Well, um, when is the point if they're still at four commits? Like, is there a cutoff point in May, June, July? Like, if it's still A right now, and I'm not saying that that's the wrong answer or that I disagree with it, I'm just wondering, Parker, how it gets from an A to a mildly concerned, like what the timeline of that looks like. Hmm. Coming out of the spring game and nothing else has happened a week after, is that when we start to say, all right, I'm not frigging out just yet, but it's at least mildly concerning at this point? I would say I'll be mildly concerned if the Sooners don't have at least one more commit two weeks after the spring game. Okay, I think that's fair. First week of May, that's when I'll start to get worried if the Sooners haven't added anybody else. Because I think at that point, with how big the spring game is going to be, you expect at least a commitment or two in the aftermath. Now, I don't know who those guys might be. I've got guesses, but I don't have reliable intel as to who those guys might be. But I do figure that the spring game is going to be the type of event where you figure, okay, this is going to lead to at least a commitment. So if the Sooners are still sitting at four commits by the first week of May, I I will be somewhat worried. What is Lincoln Riley sucks? Uh, sucks is in all caps on this text. That is also on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. And before we move on to uh, your weekend in Kansas City, seeing a lot of uh, top prospects, what's this text that we have about Jackson Arnold? I, I, oh, we, we joked about A&M. Like, really? A&M thinks that they're going to flip Jackson Arnold? Like that that situation hasn't changed. I mean, at least from what I heard, I OU fans should still feel good about this QB commit, correct? Yes, they should. There's to me, there is no concern that Jackson Arnold is gonna flip. Right now, 
that is the least of my worries for the Sooners and their recruiting efforts. Now, if Jackson Arnold were to decommit, no, I don't think Jaden Rashada would still commit to Oklahoma. And to be honest, I can't really delve into why that is right now. Just know that Oklahoma has all their eggs in the same basket with Jackson Arnold, and Jackson Arnold's not going anywhere. Count on that. Yeah, I, I just I, I don't get that feel either, man. I we see quarterbacks, you know, flip, and I, I guess OU's had what a couple in the past what ten years or so that that have flipped to other schools. Cam Rising, I guess, was one of those guys, right, from OU to Texas. But That's right. Yep. We we just don't really see. I I, I don't know. I I feel like it happens less at quarterback than any other position. He's committed to a program like Oklahoma. He's. I, I would bet a lot of money that that he's going to still end up on campus. I'm not I'm not really all that concerned there. But it does make me laugh to think that A&M can just all of a sudden, you know, A&M's such a quarterback factory now, Parker, that they're the school now that can just roll in and say, well, yeah, we may be getting in late on this kid. He may be an Oklahoma commit, but we're A&M. We can flip this kid if we really want to. Yeah, okay. Well, let's see how that works, A&M. See how that works out. I think there are other quarterbacks on the board that are going to be far more swayed by A&M's recruiting pitch than Jackson Arnold. Let me put it that way. So A&M will get their quarterback. I don't question that. It won't be Jackson Arnold. A few more responses. A, not worried at all. Always worry the early commits get flipped before signing day. It's all kinds of A, BV going to get us right, kids. Absolutely wasted on the Vittables Kool-Aid. Nice. Not worried or concerned at all. Lack of commits just gives us junk to fret about. Summer is huge. Uh, maybe August when we start rolling. So okay, that, that's that's the answer yep. that I was uh, I was hoping for. I just wanted to do a wellness check on on everyone out there. But uh, a lot of guys that OU is in on Parker saw him up close in in Kansas City this weekend. And we got to start with who was the alpha dog in KC this weekend. PJ Adebaware, six foot four, two forty. He is a four star out of the uh, Kansas City area. Uh, got to feel good about OU's chance. You have a crystal ball in to OU I for do. him. I think at I like do. a seven is what at you a have. Seven. Yep. And there are a lot of great players up there. My my dude Dylan Edwards being one of them. But sounds like he was the best player out of anyone that was there this weekend. Yeah, PJ Adebaware is a special special football player and nobody had ever really seen him in a camp environment just because last year his junior year was his first year playing defense ever so he's still new to the position he's still trying to figure stuff out he's very raw and he's like by job in that sense where physically it's all there and if he nails down the technique and he can accelerate that learning process he has the opportunity to be a standout at the collegiate level and for pj man just the way he moves, everything comes so natural to him. First off, he's extremely well built, six foot four, two hundred and forty pounds, like you mentioned, and he is every ounce of two hundred and forty <laughs> pounds. But he carries it so well. He moves so fluidly. He can flip his hips like a defensive back. They were running through drills where they were actually putting the uh, the defensive linemen through coverage drills, as if they were. You know, edge rusher, linebacker type of players that are going to have to drop back into coverage. But basically, they were getting all these defensive backs. Uh, they were putting them through the types of reps that you'd see linebackers or defensive backs going through. And PJ, <laughs> PJ was moving like he was a safety man, and I don't think it was a question 
among the folks that were there, and I was standing along. I was standing alongside twenty four seven Sports national recruiting analyst Alan True for much of that event, and it was not even a question in Alan's mind, or in my mind, or really in any of our other colleagues' minds that were there as well. PJ was the most impressive player on the football. Field. That's saying a lot because there are a lot of high level three stars, some four star kids that were there. There was a five star too. Um, yeah, John Davian Bradley. Yeah, K- Caden Green was there again. Dylan Edwards was there. A, a lot of big time players uh, from that region. I, am I right on that? I mean, Michigan's in on him. Uh, Georgia is is in on him as well. We'll see how much more attention that he gets after. I mean, he he's really making the rounds right now after this weekend. But he was in that first big recruiting weekend a little over a month ago. He he came to Norman. Yes. On an unofficial. Yes. It seems like that was the weekend where OU became the favorite for him. Like so, we we may be sitting here stressing at, at about only four commits, but I think he might be an example of they're not getting the commits, but there's been some really successful weekends with kids like him who was the best player at the camp, and that's really what flipped things towards him. That's when it was all right. I might like OU more than I like Michigan, Georgia, some of the other schools that are in on me right now. Is that, is that fair to say? Yes. March 5th was definitely when the Sooners took the lead for P.J. Adebowore. And as long as they continue to move in that direction and as long as they continue to maintain those relationships, P.J. is a huge fan of Miguel Chavis. Those two have gotten very close. So basically if things continue to trend in their current direction, I don't think anybody's going to be able to overtake OU for P.J. Adebowore. All right. Hey, Dylan Edwards was there, reportedly ran a 4-4-9-40. Uh, one of the fastest, if not the fastest, players at the entire camp. Uh, three-star running back out of Derby, Kansas. Got to think at some point, Parker, that he's going to get his fourth star. Um, I hope for him it happens. But I, I, we seemingly always talk about this guy because I told you last week, he's my favorite recruit in this class. I don't think he's the best player in this class, but he's my favorite yeah. just because he would be... You know, such a unique asset to an OU offense, to, which they really haven't had before. And not only would he be a unique asset, like the frame that he's in, a really smaller guy, but it's really fast. I was thinking about it over the weekend, Parker. You know, guys of his similar stature and speed that have gone on and had great college careers, OU has seen those guys up close and personal. Darren Sproles? Saw him a couple times when he was at Kansas State, right? Tavon Austin, have we? has anyone forgot the 2012 West Virginia game? Percy Harvin, of course, the 2008 National Championship game. Noel Devine, who was a really small guy, really quick, played at West Virginia as well. So OU has seen like all these guys up close and personal. I would think if there's any program that would want to take a chance on a kid that's really small but extremely fast... Probably OU because yeah, you've seen and, those guys firsthand. And you know, Tyler, you didn't even mention Deuce Vaughn and yeah, Tyree Kill. Yeah, so yeah. No, a, I didn't have Tyree Kill written point, down. Yeah. At a certain point, it's going to behoove you to have one of those guys in your uniform. And Dylan Edwards was outstanding yesterday. Uh, really impressed me as a receiver in one-on-ones against the linebackers. Obviously, he's only about five foot six, five foot seven, and the speed is the calling card. But he is a very natural receiver. And that impressed me about him. He earned his All-American game invite. Uh, he was one of the MVPs of the running back group. So I, I like Dylan Edwards. I'm with you, Tyler. I think Dylan Edwards is the type of guy that could be a game changer at the University of Oklahoma if they pursue him and sign him. 
The question becomes, well, is it going to be Oklahoma? Or is he going to keep holding out for that Texas A&M offer? Is he going to feel the draw of history, given that his father played football at Kansas State? And is he going to end up a Wildcat? He's visited Kansas State so many times. So many times. Like, we talk about how many times Caden Green has visited Oklahoma. Yeah, man. Dylan Edwards has visited Kansas State more times than that. So, does he stay home and go to Manhattan? Does he end up in College Station if he picks up that offer? He's going to visit Washington. He wants to go up to Wisconsin at some point. OU seems like the favorite. But it doesn't seem like a done deal. Is it fair to say that how the you know how the running backs look for OU this year can greatly impact things? If Javante Barnes elevates to running back number one, and you know that he's going to be the dude on campus for the next two years, and Gavin Sawchuk has a great year, like is it fair to think that that can even though he'll might play a little receiver, play some slot, all of that, is it fair to say well if OU's two incoming freshmen have really good years then? That could have a negative impact on a guy like Dylan Edwards. Or no? Yeah, I don't know. I just think he, he's special. He's a unicorn. He's the type of guy where you don't really worry about anybody taking snaps away from him because he creates his own snaps with that skill set. Kendall got back on the text line and said, another kid who is smaller in stature and can absolutely blaze is Cole Adams. Yeah, I know. Uh, and somebody asked, how heavily is OU pursuing Edwards? They're pursuing him pretty heavily. He was on campus this past Friday. He's going to be back later this month in all likelihood for the spring game. So we'll see what becomes of that. But Dylan Edwards is a guy OU wants. Another guy uh, we feel good about, uh, like what what OU's chances are, four-star offensive tackle Caden Green. You mentioned him, visited Norman a ton of times, Lee Summit, Missouri. Uh, He got his Under Armour camp invite, I believe, this weekend, Parker. How how did he look um, against some of the – you know, better, you know, defensive players in that entire region. Yeah, he was really good. He lost one rep, but he went toe-to-toe with Sean Davey and Bradley. I know that was a matchup that both of them had been looking forward to for quite a while. Uh, But Caden got the better of Sean Davian for the most part in their head-to-heads. He he is very mobile for being as big as he is, and he's not really an explosive athlete. We got to watch them go through all the testing, and one of the things that – uh, one of my coworkers in the 24-7 Sports Network remarked on was that, you know, Caden really isn't an explosive athlete, but that's not a quality you really need as a lineman. You know, you just need to be able to have quick feet and a ton of strength and great technique. And Caden Green has all three of those things. So I, I firmly am of the opinion that that's the type of guy I think can walk into Oklahoma and compete for a starting job from day one. I know those guys have been few and far between, in years past, but Caden Green has that type of impact potential. Sure. Hey, you guys are lighting up the Air Cover Solutions text line right now. We appreciate that. We'll get to more of your text on the other side, but also something happened in a spring game this weekend that could potentially throw a wrench into things this college football season. We'll talk about that as well coming up next. It's Locked In with McComas and Thune right here on The Ref. Locked on with McComas and Thune, brought to you by Elite Roofing Systems. Elite Roofing Systems serving all of Oklahoma's roofing needs. They're locally owned and operated, headquartered in Norman and Tulsa, and serving customers in the greater Oklahoma City area since 2010. Call them if you're in the OKC area, 405-361-3094. Tulsa, 918-984-5475. Elite Roofing Systems bringing you this hour 
of Locked In. Yeah, there's a uh, comment on this right now on the text line. There were some uh, big-time spring games this weekend. Nebraska used to having close to a sellout crowd for a spring game. Wasn't very full there. Uh, Clemson didn't get a great crowd. Texas A&M didn't get a great crowd either. It was all about the quarterback play in Clemson College Station and, and Lincoln Parker. I don't know how much of, or any of those three games you got to watch, but the biggest takeaway for me is the crowds just did not show up to any of those three spring games this weekend. Well, and I think our awareness of that kind of thing is heightened. Yeah, right? because totally. we're we're anticipating such a big turnout for the spring game at OU that we're probably far more cognizant of the attendance at other spring games than most anyone else is. Now, so I I I don't know whether I'm I guess I I just don't know whether that means anything to me. I think Nebraska you know, they have the best attended spring game every single year. And we know and that like, was the one that was most surprising. Yeah, well, one of the things that they mentioned on the text line with regard to Oklahoma spring game is they're not going to op- open the upper section. It's just going to be the lower bowl because of the demands of staffing concessions. I wonder if the same thing happened in Nebraska because I, I do find it hard to believe that only 55,000 people showed up to that spring game. Those people eat, sleep, and breathe Husker football in the state of Nebraska. So I was reading an article today, um, or no, maybe it was a, a tweet earlier today, something, to where A&M fans were, I guess, were raving about the performance of LSU transfer Max Johnson at quarterback. So I said, oh, okay, whatever. I read another article that actually had his numbers. Max Johnson, Parker, was 13 of 31 with just with two touchdowns. Doesn't that mean he's going to like win the Heisman I was like, this fall? What, 13 to 31? You guys are going crazy who, down there? Who what? is it? Is it you or Steely that has the theory that like if you're really bad in the spring game? Oh, that's that me. Well, oh, okay. I, that, that's proven to be true with OU players, with All OU right. quarterbacks. P- lay your Heisman money on Max Johnson right now. Haynes King was 11 of 33. <laughs> Incoming freshman Connor Wigman was 7 of 19. So. 11 of 33? Yeah, Haynes King was. Okay, how many passes did Max Johnson attempt? Uh, 13 of 31. The article I read, I was thinking the same so thing. Like, did they, they throw like they 80 threw the passes? ball 83 times? I don't know, man. That's what the quick math is telling me. I did watch a little of the Nebraska spring game. Uh, I-, I caught it after Casey Thompson was in the game, which he didn't do much to begin with. Nebraska played like six quarterbacks on Saturday. Um, I-, I guess with this new OC coming in, there's been um, a big-time learning curve for their entire offense. But the big takeaway for me is, you know, there's I think there's a legitimate quarterback battle going on right now in Clemson between DJ Uyunglele and uh, Kay Klubnick. Kay Klubnick. I, that I can see, and that wouldn't shock me at all. In fact, I think I said it back in January. Don't be surprised if Klubnick pushes for that job. Just because DJ has not been all that impressive, man. He had an outstanding game. As a freshman against Notre Dame, in which they lost, Trevor Lawrence, which they eventually lost. That's it, man. Yeah. Outside of that, now his offensive line was not great last year, um, but I, I think it's definitely fair to say that the expectations that he had going into his second year as a starter did not live up to those. He only had what forty-seven percent was his completion percentage, Parker, and a lot of those were checkdowns. Kay Klubnick, though, was 15-23 to and had some drops in there for 106 yards and a touchdown. I think that that could be, you know, one of the bigger X factors for this college football season. Clemson's got some work to do on the offensive line. There's no doubt about it. It's the biggest weakness of their football team. But they're going to have some skill players 
If that O-line can come around, that defense is going to be pretty good. If they rely on Kay Klubnick, like they did with Trevor Lawrence his freshman year. I was about to say, we, we've seen this before at Clemson. I, 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 I think Alabama's the best team in the country, and they're who, who I'm going to pick to win the national championship this year. I think Ohio State's number two. Yeah, but I if just... they go to Kay Cup, uh, Klubnick, and he resembles what Trevor Lawrence is his freshman year, that could really, like, Clemson could be more of a factor into this thing than maybe I think right now. I, I don't recognize Clemson as a true national title threat with DJ Uyunglele at quarterback. Cade Klubnick, though? Maybe so, man. Maybe so. Because this dude, he, he's got arm strength. He's got accuracy. He's he showed a lot as uh, the scuttlebutt since he showed up on campus. Air Coverage Solutions text line. One listener says, I live in Forney, Texas. Crandall, Texas is the next town south. What is the status of the kid from that school that has visited OU? So, yeah, Samuel Masigo. He's visiting again next Monday, April 18th, so he will be back on campus. I am anticipating that his final five is going to be OU, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, Stanford, and Florida. So obviously at that point, Stanford and Florida are kind of the two programs that you're legit worried about if you're OU, but OU has done a great job recruiting Omasigo. He's got strong relationships. He's got a lot of shared values with that coaching staff. There's a reason why I have, I believe, a high-confidence crystal ball in uh, for Samuel Masigo to the Sooners. I think he's going to – yeah, I, I think OU is going to end up being the spot for him when all's said and done. Won't be without him looking around and making sure he's making the right decision and taking visits to Stanford and to Florida and to Lubbock and Stillwater, but I think ultimately he comes back around OU. Uh, the Masters might have affected spring game attendance. I don't think so. This was not – one of the more memorable masters. I mean, Tiger made the cut, but he was never in contention. Uh, go, what go, Saturday, man, there was a massive gap uh, between ever. I mean, it, it just wasn't a great. Uh, th- this is not a Masters that you would have stayed home for and you know missed a spring game. Scotty Scheffler was you know basically your leader from start to finish. I, I just don't. I, I'm sure it had a small impact. I don't think it had an overwhelming impact for these spring games, though. Yeah, nor do I. Now. Back to the text line. Another listener says, "Did Tyler say Dylan Edwards ran a four four nine? That's fast, but not blazing fast. You guys make him sound like a four three guy. Big difference. I will say this: Dylan Edwards and everyone else, they were running those forties against a pretty stiff wind, and whatever technology that they use to time those forties generally do not lend themselves to times much lower than that. In fact, I was talking with Alan true, one of our outstanding 24 seven sports national recruiting analysts. And he mentioned to me that he'd been at a similar camp. I can't even remember where, but another one of those UA next regional camps and nobody at that camp had run faster than a four, five, five. So now that's that four, four, nine is more significant than you think it is. I promise you that. So the the four four nine is a four two nine essentially is what, well, is what you're saying. I don't a four, know about a four one nine. Yeah, it's it's lower than a four point four nine. I'll say that much. <laughs> Dylan Edwards is faster than that. Dylan Edwards ran a laser four four seven as an eighth grader. Yeah, well, and all all reports are that uh, in pads in in some of these camps you've seen him at, he is uh he's fast. I mean, you can doubt a lot. About Dylan Edwards, do not uh, doubt the elite speed that, that he has. Another listener says, whoever just said that has no clue what 4.49 is. That is fast. 4.4 guy's fast. Yes, it is fast. Anything sub 4.5 is really fast. Anything sub 4.4 is elite fast. 
And Dylan Edwards can get it under 4-4. Make no mistake about that. He is elite fast. I think we overrate freshman quarterbacks way too much. I don't think people realize how good Trevor Lawrence was. It's not easy for a freshman to just walk in and start and be good. Just like Connor Wagman won't be a natty winner for A&M, and Caleb wouldn't have won one for OU. Even Bryce Young ended up a redshirt freshman before he started for Bama. Okay. Totally agree. Yeah, totally agree with that. All I'm saying is, if he is that type of player for Clemson, that totally changes my opinion on, on Clemson. Because DJ Uyungle, he's not the fastest guy back there with a shaky offensive line. I, I think Clemson can win the ACC this year. Absolutely. I think they're the favorites. But I just don't view Clemson as a legit national title team unless Cade Klubnick looks like, I mean, similar to what Trevor Lawrence looked like as a freshman. I know that's a tough ask. That's a tall ask, man. I, there, I, I understand that. But I'm just saying that's the real X factor to where I could see a Clemson entering that Ohio State-Alabama conversation yeah. this year. Well, and look, is Cade Klubnick the next Trevor Lawrence? No. But – I think what you're getting at, Tyler, and what I'll kind of expound upon there is one of the reasons that you will see a freshman quarterback inserted in place of an established veteran like we saw with Trevor Lawrence and Kelly Bryant in 2018 is because an offense's ceiling is higher with a younger guy than it is with the veteran. That doesn't mean they're going to be a better team or a better offense, but the tantalizing nature of that higher ceiling will push a guy like that onto the field and into early action and sometimes they live live up to the billing as Trevor Lawrence did in 2018 sometimes they don't sometimes it takes a while for guys to get for somebody to get comfortable with his digs before he can really settle in and be an impact guy. Same thing last year with OU, right? Um, I, I know no one likes Carl's Jr. anymore around here, but the <laughs> ceiling of the offense was higher uh, when he was when he was in the game compared to that of Spencer Rattler with the whole dynamic of what the offense looked like yeah. last year, and especially look, the O-line. Yeah, does that mean Cade Klubnick right now is a better quarterback than DJ? Not necessarily, but I would agree that – Clemson as an offense has a higher ceiling with Cade Klubnick at quarterback than they do with DJ. It's just a matter of whether they can attain that ceiling. More of your text coming up next. Air Comfort Solutions text line 405-651-3439. Locked on rolls on next. We're the Homeless Sooner fans. Locked in with the McComas and Thune on the ref. We're inside the Brown O'Haver studios on this Monday. Some curtain news from over the weekend. Uh, Josh Connerly picked Oregon. Surprised? Thought it was going to be USC? I'm not surprised. Nike money plus Dan Lanning. Look, Dan Lanning is going to be the most successful coach in the Pac-12. I, like, I, 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 I've, been, right? yeah. I've been convinced of that for over a month now. I, I Absolutely. If there's someone that's going to re-engage the West Coast, and I understand that SC has a bigger draw than Oregon. but and does it? Ugh. I don't, I don't know. know. If that's we're, true. we're led to believe that it does. Um, I'm, I'm guessing the college football world might feel a USC, you know, coming back more than an Oregon. I think Oregon's going to be the most successful Pac-12 program for the next, three, you know, three to five years. Dan Laning greater than Muleshoe. I'll, I'll go ahead and take that one. Agreed. Mm-hmm. And right now, the cream of the crop in the Pac-12 is Utah with Kyle Whittingham. Long term, though, Dan Laning and Oregon have a ton of potential to be able to get where no Pac-12 team has been since Washington in 2016, and that is the college football playoff. Oregon will build a better, more well-rounded, consistent football program than USC. The only problem? Well, 
Dan Lanning's not going to be at Oregon for very long, especially if he oh, you don't think rips so? off a couple Pac-12 titles. I think he'll be whatever big SEC job opens up. I don't think that he would leave for Auburn, but um, I, I definitely think that there's a handful of SEC jobs that he would leave for if he's got it rolling at Oregon. Why, why do you think he would go to the SEC specifically? Uh, I mean, he has history there, and I think that he realizes what everybody else is realizing right now, which if you want to win a national championship, you have to have a roster that looks like a national championship team. I don't think that you can build a national championship roster in the Pac-12 right now. I don't think that there's as many defensive linemen, as many linebackers, as many dudes on that side of the ball, maybe even offensive linemen that are in the South. I think if you want to win a natty, you've got to be in the South, you've got to be in the Southeast because that's where the majority of those elite dudes are. There's just not... It doesn't seem like there's as much talent in the state of California than there was 10 to 15 years ago. Florida produces you know, the most five stars. Georgia's right behind it. Texas still putting out a lot. Alabama putting out a lot. Louisiana putting out a lot. That, that's where your talent is. I think that you want to go where the most talent is, and that's where the SEC is. Okay, I can see that. That's, that seems rational. Now, I, I do think Oregon is – low-key one of the best jobs in college football and is going to continue to get better just because of how much money is being pumped into that program right now to improve the facilities and just to make the overall Oregon football experience better. So I think it would take the right job for Dan Lanning to leave. I think it really would take the right opportunity. I'm not sh- I'm not sure if there's a school I look at right now in the SEC is, oh, that, yep, that one's going to have a vacancy soon and That'd be the type of one that Lanning would jump for. But I actually do think we might actually be underselling Oregon because that is a program that, based on where it is in proximity to the Nike headquarters and based on the way that the college football landscape is evolving, I think Oregon might be a sleeping giant, man. Sure. If if that job is done correctly. Yeah, and I think it, it, Landing's the type of guy that can do it. He, right. He'll bring good defense there. I am a little bit worried, especially this year, what the offense is going to look like with Bo Nix. You know? Ah, Bo Nix. They've got a lot of money and a coach that is willing to use all that money to his advantage in, in the recruiting yep. game. Yeah. Uh, Richard Young, one of the best running backs in the country, uh, dropped his top seven. A&M, Georgia, Ohio State, Alabama, OU, Oregon, and Florida. I heard you. We, we've discussed Richard Young a ton here. OU's in on a lot of high-profile running backs. Um, I, I heard what you said to Steely earlier is, okay, that, that, that's cool, top seven, but you're not just going to sell that this kid's going to end up at OU. No, I'm not. I, I have said it many times with regard to Richard Young. I will reiterate it. I will have to see that to believe it. Legit, straight up. I'm going to have to see it to believe it. If he takes an official visit to Oklahoma, great. That's a step in the right direction. I still don't think you're one of the top two or three contenders right now. You might be fourth. You might be fourth. But it's hard for me to imagine that Richard Young doesn't end up at Alabama or at the very least doesn't end up staying closer to home in the SEC. Text line says, an SEC job soon to be open that has a lot of money for Dan Lanning. How about Texas? God, that already seems like uh, something that UT would do. He has a couple nice seasons in Eugene. Sark eventually gets fired after year three, and they throw out a ton of money to Dan Lanning. 
Now, maybe Dane Lanning is smart enough and says, well, boy, it hasn't worked out recently for a lot of these Texas hires. They are in the SEC, sure. I can just stay out here on the West Coast and dominate, but... (laughs) Recently, if you look at that Texas job over the last decade or so, recently taking that job has been career suicide. Yeah, 100% has. Yeah, Charlie Strong isn't reemerged. I don't think Tom Herman is going to reemerge. Now, Max at North Carolina, but he's at a basketball school, and he I was mean, one of the more disappointing uh, teams in the country last yeah, season. Yeah, that as North well. Carolina job—that's Max victory lap. That's all it is. Yeah, it's he'll his, coach it's there his a couple more years and then retire. But whether it's Texas or you know A and M gets their hopes up too high and ends up paying a forty-five million dollar buyout to Jimbo Fisher in a couple of years. I think that Dan Lanning's going to be back in the SEC at some point. This one says, can Dylan Gabriel be better than Caleb Williams? That's from Bruce. Absolutely, man. Um, And I think a reason as to why he can be better than Caleb Williams is he's going to have a better situation around him. (laughs) Yes. SC's offensive line. Like, If you want to be concerned about OU's offensive line, that's fine. That's okay. But I'll present you USC's offensive line that was even worse last year. I think OU is, you know, much more suited to have big play potential at wide receiver than SC is. I Parker, to put it simply, I think at every single level of the offense, OU is more talented and in some places much more talented than what USC is going to be this year. I'm torn on this because on the one hand, I want to say Yes, statistically, Dylan Gabriel is going to have a far better year than Caleb Williams, but I'm also just like, well, USC might be throwing the ball so much, it might be hard not for it might be hard for Caleb Williams not to have a better statistical year than Dylan Gabriel. I think, regardless, Dylan Gabriel's football team is going to win more games. Yes, and I I don't know, man. That's one of those that could legitimately swing either way. And it ultimately just depends on how much stock you put into statistics, right? You think about Connor Halliday and Luke Falk in Mike Leach's air raid offense up at Washington State in the mid-2010s. Those were quarterbacks that year in and year out led the FBS in every major statistical passing category. It meant nothing because Washington State would win six, maybe seven games. And at the end of the day, those statistics were pretty hollow because they were merely the product of the program throwing the ball a lot, not be, not due to the fact that Connor Halliday and or Luke Falk had any special ability to play the quarterback position. I think USC is going to look more like an air raid offense than OU ever did, man. I think they're going to struggle up front on the offensive line, Parker. I think they're going to struggle running the ball. And we already know that he's a play caller that will quickly abandon the run or get way too greedy at times. He's going to find running the ball harder than he's seen it probably since he was at East Carolina. I think they are going to his... They're going to resemble an air raid type of offense. They'll put the ball in Caleb Williams' hands. If you want to go by passing yards, then sure, maybe Caleb Williams has more. But who's overall going to have the better resume this year? I think Dylan Gabriel is going to do that. I think there's a chance that even Spencer Rattler at South Carolina could put together a better resume, a better season than Caleb Williams. I think Travis Dye in particular is going to have a lot of buyer's remorse this next year. Yeah, I think so too. Based on his usage at USC versus what he would have been in line for at Oregon, 
that is a guy that I think is going to have a healthy case of buyer's remorse. Yeah, me as well, which he, we were all uh, really impressed with him in the Alamo Bowl. Because he's a good back. Good back. Uh, he didn't wear any gloves. Did no. he? Right? No. That, that automatically gets my respect. Out, out there as a running back wearing no gloves. Ethan Downs vibes. Big time. Air Cover Solutions text line 405-651-3439. You know the number. One final segment of Locked In coming up next. We'll talk Cruton and football once again. On the other side, we're the Homeless Sooner fans. Final segment locked in with McComas and Thune. A lot of comments on uh, Caleb Williams on the text line right now. Oh Caleb boy. can run, but not accurate with the deep ball. Someone reminds us that he did get benched in the Baylor game, just in case you forgot, Parker. That happened. Uh, I think Caleb Williams will get sacked a lot. That's from Sean. Yeah, I, like I, yeah I, I totally agree with that. I think there'll be more air raid than Muleshoe's been since maybe he was at Texas Tech and... I uh, I don't think that that's going to be the right recipe to win a Pac-12 title in year one. Just a just a hunch from me. I think Utah's going to have a field day with that. Yeah, and uh, old body by Wiley is going to is not going to pay dividends with regard to USC's ability to protect Caleb Williams. So yes, I would concur. Yeah, there is a uh, photo that has uh, leaked out. I guess this was today, maybe. Oh, boy. And it's uh, not the entire team, but some of USC's football team in the weight room, and there's like a walkway, and Benny Wiley's got his fist up, like walking through the middle of it. I mean. Did he have a kettlebell in his fist? Uh, No, they're laying back up against the wall, but it looks pretty staged, if you ask me. He does have a – acting like he's blowing a whistle and getting everyone pumped up, so. Dang it. Good luck to uh, good luck to those guys out there. One more on the text before we move on. Dan Lanning will build his resume at Oregon, win consistently, and make life-changing money. Then, when something as he perceives as a better job opens, he will leave them. That is interesting about the Oregon job, though, isn't it? I know we talked a lot about that today. It's still, I, I think it's still an elite job, even though the Pac-12 has, you know, really kind of shifted back to the pack. Um, it's an elite job, but man, they have had more turnover for what is, is perceived as a top ten job as maybe any other out there in the country, dude. You just have Mario Cristobal leave. Um, it seems like every two to three years for about, you know, since Chip Kelly left, they're, 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 they're switching head coaches. Yeah, it was Mark Helfrich for a while, and then Scott Frost was never the head coach there. He was just the OC. But Cristobal was there for, there for a minute. It, Yeah, it is interesting because everybody kind of knew that Miami was Cristobal's dream job and that he was going to go back there first chance he got. And when that opportunity opened up, obviously he he bolted. Dan Lanning has no previous ties to the University of Oregon. This is his big break as a head coach, certainly. But it does make you wonder if he's maybe in a situation like Lincoln Riley was in when he took the Oklahoma job in 2017, where he figured, okay, well, he, he'll be in it for the long haul. This university is the one that gave him that big first chance, so he'll be loyal. Who knows? As we learned with Ole Muleshoe, things can go sideways and things can go haywire very quickly. 
Yeah, and as the text line put it, Pilates equals sacks. Uh, couldn't have said it better <laughs> myself. All right, uh, we the talked. Math to, does add up. Before we get out of here today, we talked about the headliners in Kansas City this weekend. PJ Adebowale, four-star uh, defensive lineman from. Uh, is, is he an edge rusher? Is that edge what? Rusher, yeah, yeah. Yep. Four-star edge rusher from Kansas City. He was the alpha dog this weekend. Dylan Edwards looked good. Um, but who were some other names there? that maybe will have some OU interest or OU's had some interest that you were impressed with? Oh, Isaiah Mosey is going to be a special football player, Tyler. He, he got an uh, Under Armour camp invite, correct? No, because he's 2025. Oh, he was so he, he was could, listed on the article that I read. I thought he so, got the invite. No, he was wide receiver MVP. Yeah, okay. The kid just turned 15 two months ago. Yeah. It's pretty good. He's going to be really, really freaking good. Like, he may be the best overall prospect that has come out of Kansas City in a long, long time. And let me tell you, Tyler, let me tell you, the second that OU offer comes, I'm probably dropping a crystal ball. There you go. Well, um, I'm sure we'll be getting Cole Adams' text here momentarily on that. But uh, that's that's new. That I, I was halfway through the question. You already knew how you were going to answer it. That's the yep. kid that you were really impressed with. Yep. Isaiah Mosey, if he ultimately ends up a Sooner, which I believe will be the case, and that is somebody that has the potential to be legendary in that Crimson and Cream. All right, that does it for Locked In. The Rush coming up next. Keep it locked right here on The Ref. We're the homeless Sooner fans.